Welcome everyone to another episode of The Voices of Boyle. This week, I'm joined by none other than Jerry Emmett. For anyone that knows Jerry, no introduction is needed. And for those of you that don't know him, no introduction would suffice. The episode is about one hour and ten minutes long, and Jerry discusses a range of topics from his footballing years to current affairs. So with that, let's get on with the episode. Welcome to the Voices of Boyle, Jerry. Thank you very much, Carlo. So, Jerry, where do we start? Um, best thing to do probably is to take it right back to the early days of growing up uh, as a young fella in Ballyfarnan. What were those days like? Well, in Ballyfarnan, I had six brothers, right? So we came from a large family, which mostly, most families were large in those days. And uh, we had a brilliant youth in the sense that Every day after school, we were playing football on the street and it was everybody playing, kicking a ball. And we'd only one ball. We hadn't a ball for everyone in the audience like they have now. So you had to fight for your possession. Then I went to Summer Hill as a 12, 13-year-old. And I didn't like going there because you were border and uh, people had control over you. But uh, I really loved it. It was a Sligo was a real soccer town, and we started playing soccer there, and also the GEA. And I lived for the sport. Uh, I wasn't that interested in uh, getting first in the Leaving Cert or whatever, but we had a fantastic time both in Gaelic and soccer. So that was my time in Summerhill. I, I, that 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 would have been back in the. It was nineteen seventy to seventy five. I was in Summerhill. Summerhill. We. We achieved, we won a Connacht A title in the, in the GAA and we were beaten 1-0 uh, in All-Ireland soccer final, a penalty, which I still dispute. But uh, one of my biggest regrets to this day, and that's a long time ago, is losing the All-Ireland semi-final in the Gaelic to a Northern team. We were way better than them, but we didn't do the business on the day. So I still regret that. Mm. So that was, so you summed it up there that you didn't like school as such academically no. wise, you were there to play a sport. Well, I also was there because I knew my father had a business and I was always going working on it. Okay. In my own head, right. you know? Yeah. So you, so how would you sum up those days then in Summerhill as a young fella? It was great for football, great for sport. Yes. And you had uh, and, good time uh, with friends and stuff. We met friends that we still have to this day, or I met friends, and also sport-wise, uh, as I say, we travelled a lot with the soccer. We had a priest there called Father Harn and a well-known man that used to be his assistant, Tommy Gorman, and uh, they organised a lot of trips for us. One of them, which included, uh, we went to Glasgow to play, represented Ireland in Glasgow and the colleges, and uh, Sean Fallon from Sligo was the assistant manager of Glasgow Celtic at the time when Jack Steen was manager. So we were really well looked after and uh, we had a fantastic time there. So were there any special traditions or activities as well that you would have enjoyed as a kid, apart from playing football, obviously? Was there any other kind of occasions throughout the year that you were fond of as a young fellow growing up? Christmas time, stuff like that? Not, not really. Yeah, as I say, because I was so much involved in sport, I was never much of a drinker. Mm. Uh, just women, of course, but uh, wasn't that much of a drinker. Not really. Our whole life was nearly around sport. Yeah. And uh, as I say, when I started working with my father, we worked. I worked hard. 
So yeah. getting getting into the your father's business because um, it was my mum that told me it was the Emmet Remold. Yes, where well, is where Healy's is at the moment? That was where no. The, well, actually, it? no. We had a he had a garage and he was the main dealer for Morris Oxford Morris Miners in the country. Actually, uh, one year he got an award for selling the most cars in the country, and uh, then he started Remold just up the uh, the road from that. It's now housing, but uh, in those days. Which was strange for Bally Farnan. He, he uh, when your tire wore down, he uh, shaved the tire with machinery and uh, resurfaced it with rubber, which was brought in from Wales. And uh, he had vans on the road selling to garages, and it was very successful for years. And so that's that was um, some of the tires got worn down instead of buying new tires. Yes, they were cheaper than the new tire. Okay. Yeah. And was there a specific type of tire that? Any tyre could be removed. Yes, we did tractor tyres, but mostly it was car tyres. He used to kind of chip down the old tyre. Well, well, he took it off completely. It was shaved completely. Okay. It's bald. And then there was solution put in it. And then there was hot presses, very hot. And the, the rubber moulded into the tyre. Mm. I actually worked there. I knew the process. And then I was a storeman in the garage. I looked after that. Okay. And was there many of those remold businesses in Ireland? No, I didn't know of any other one at that time. So there would have been plenty of business anyway back then? Yes. Yeah. yeah, but my father was, <laughs> he was involved in a lot of businesses. He couldn't stay steady. <laughs> right. <laughs> he uh, arrived home uh, when I was about 19, I think. And he told us he bought a shop in Boyle, that I, we were moving to Boyle. And uh, that was Emmys Electrical, which were on the Crescent there for up to 30 years, I think. And uh, so if I was married at 19. Phil was 18 at the time. She put on weight suddenly and we decided we better get married in those times. And best thing ever happened to me because Phil had a very good influence on me going forward. I needed someone to take control of me. So we moved to Boy. Now, at that time, we had a good football team in Ballyfarnan, which included Kijo and Arigna. And uh, we Boyle had a good football team, so it was good rivalry. So moving to Boyle was not my idea at the time, but uh, I grew to love Boyle. And your was the bit I have that it was started with Tom Murray. Was that right? Uh, Tom, yeah, it was, Tom actually had an electrical shop in Boyle, and my father joined with Tom. Okay, and then eventually uh, Tom went; he was bought out, and uh, and you came along then and yes. took the reins. And yeah, well, I was working there with Tom as well. Okay. They had the cable television. That's right. Yeah. Which meant we went into every house in Boyle at the time. And that was interesting because uh, we got to know people because, uh, say, we're dealing with every house in Boyle. Right. So some of the best people in Boyle and some of the, the fondest memories I have are going out Tarman. Some of the finest people in Ireland out there. And I really enjoyed their wit and their honesty. Yeah. You know. It's been said a lot, though, by, uh, about people about Tarman that they were the salt of the earth. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and so you, you supplied every house in, in the town with cable. Yes. There was no other competition back then. No. Right. Uh, Boyle was in a valley yeah. and the uh, signal, you couldn't get signal in the town at the time. With satellite, that all changed, obviously. And uh, obviously I remember a lot, was it the VHS recorders yes. that you used to sell? Yeah, yeah. And I remember I'd, be, I, I'd have mum plagued every so often to go over and get an empty TV box so we could build a hut in. And oh, I right. remember many of the occasion 
going over and picking up uh, an empty TV box from from yeah as a young fella and bringing it back over to the chipper and playing house in it. But uh, were, were there any challenges challenges Jerry that you were faced with running the business like back uh, like the electrical business back in those days? Well, I suppose indirectly, if I'm being honest about it, the biggest challenge was probably my father because he wouldn't stay steady. And the minute he had one business, he was thinking about something else. Money seemed to burn a hole in his pocket, which suddenly became my pocket also, right? For example, he, uh, down in Ballyfarnham, which was in the valley as well, and Keiju and that, he they couldn't get any BBCs, and he went bouncing signals off the mountain to get to try and get it, yeah. yeah and, right. and did, but that was all a costly process. They all clapped him on the back and told him he was mighty, but... We were paying. So moving then, I know we're going to get into the football and the, the gas stuff, but just before that, um, were the Mile Erg, were you involved with setting up the Mile Erg? No. It was Terry McGowan. Uh, Terry McGowan. Right, okay. Terry, I always knew. Uh, Terry McGowan was involved. Uh, he owned the Mile Erg and uh, I used to drink a few pints in Terry's and uh, Terry obviously saw the potential in me because of my connections to sport and uh, he recommended we buy, which is now the Creevee. So we, we went in there okay. together. Right, okay. That's where and I Yes, then and then over the years, we bought him out. Right. And uh, we had some unbelievable years. We were there for Italian 90. Uh, were you in the, in the, Creevee, yes. the Creevee for Italian 90? Yeah, we had unbelievable times in, the, in those times. And in those days, when you played GA matches, uh, you would kick the crap out of each other on the pitch, and then you'd all go drinking together. Uh-huh. Now they're going into gyms and swimming pools and yeah. headphones on. It's changed completely. Yes. Yeah. Not all for the good. But no, I don't think so. I know progression is what it is, but yes. yeah. Obviously, your days in the creaving. Uh, customers would have found your approach amusing and entertaining. You'd agree with that, I'm sure. Well, yes, we had a tendency to tell the truth, which is uh, not the done thing anymore. People are very much offended. Away, uh, offended and, but no, we did. We got a very strong uh, customer base there and there was always some football team passing through and I played soccer as well. We got some of the soccer teams in also. Mm-hmm. And like overall, it was very good. And then we veered off and we started doing a bit of food. It was actually Mary Batty. She, had, she used to make pies and yes, we started yeah. getting in pies. And if we're having late nights in those times, uh, we used to get a few pies and things and customers, maybe two in the morning when you're supposed to be at home. <laughs> but eventually uh, we, we started going more towards the food and... Uh, then we're completely nearly food now. Yeah. We're not. But that's, a, for some reason, I kind of always just remember it as a food and because I was, would have been yeah. too young for the drinking side of things. But uh, in those early days, as you said, it, serious. Was, it was a serious yeah, place yeah. of drinking. Yeah. yeah. And obviously then you got the reputation going as a good restaurant. And nowadays it's more of a, a pub restaurant yes. as, as opposed to a drinking yes. after hours kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I suppose what really bugs me now is that... Uh, the attitude of people in restaurants. Our attitude always was to, to do the food fresh to the best of your ability and not rob the customers. And if they want a little bit extra, a little bit of this, that, that, give it to Try and make it that they've had a good experience. Yeah. I think the way, my opinion, the way things are now, 
that people are thinking of money first. Well, our, our business, what we're very proud of in our place is that uh, a lot of, say, bachelor farmers or an old lady can feel free to come into our place on her own and know they'll get fed well and won't be robbed. Yeah. Like, uh, that's another thing that we brought up to have respect for older people. Yeah. Yeah. It's true because yeah. I think that's gone out the window as yes. well. This, um, yeah, it, it, it's just not the way it was. No. Even as, I, as a young fella, I remember you'd have a lot more respect and mm. you'd look after customers, that sort of thing. It's gone out the window now, fortunately. Absolutely gone. You know, and yeah. I don't see any sign of it coming back anytime soon. I hope it does, but I really don't see it. Well, particularly as we get older, we're inclined to think more and think about things rather than as I get older and we travel a lot. And if I go into a little restaurant in Spain and you're treated well and you're not robbed, you come out in good humour. You know? Yeah. And we try to do that with people. Mm. We actually try to give them a good experience. Yeah. Now, put it this way, if an odd fellow comes in that we don't like, we can deal with him too, you know? We <laughs> <laughs> have a menu for that. Yes. <laughs> um, so let, let's jump to the football, the soccer part of it. Um, obviously, a great player for Boyle Celtic. Was it during the 70s and 80s or 80s and 90s you played with Boyle Celtic? Uh, it, it would be nearly 80 because, no, it was just after 1980 because when I was living in Ballyfarn and I played with our Harps in Riverstown. Okay. We had a, a school teacher who was in charge of them then they called Paddy Kelly and he was a pure gentleman and uh, we had a great side. But again, we had a problem with numbers. We could we played in the cup final in the Shoregons one time and we were waiting on a car to come from Dublin with a few players. That's well, we. I would have experienced that Ronan's over the years as well, where the numbers weren't there, you know. So, but we had a great time there. And when I moved to Boyle, I started playing with Boyle Celtic. Opposition were you? I was centre midfield. You always need a brain to play there, by the way. <laughs> and as I got older, I moved further back. Yeah. Centre half, sweeper, and nearly on the goal line. You know? <laughs> but uh, we had great times. Yeah. Really a great time. I'd say, what, like, playing for Boyle Celtic, I was only going through the archives. Um, you're in, obviously, a lot of them photos. Yes. Players like Johnny Green and it's like yeah. Jim Fee and all of them boys. Who was the man? Who would who would have been manager for you during those days? Uh, well, I know Arnold Dunn, who's senior, was uh, manager. Actually, when I look back, I actually should have apologised to him because I was hard managed in those days. But he, he was a manager. There was a lad from Drumshambo, a, a, a Kelly man from Drumshambo, managers for Ohio. Yeah. Uh, Sean Cairns managers for Ohio. We had a lot of different managers. We are a tough bunch to manage now. Yeah. And did, did you win any titles? We won, we won the Roscommon League, definitely, because uh, we had a lot of battles with the likes of Sky Valley in those times. And... Uh, it was tough going. The pitches weren't like what they are now. Yeah. They were mucky and... Oh, big time. Like, there was yeah. a lot of kicking and a lot of sliding tackling going in on that. But it's tough going. We were... Um, I don't know if I was on any team that won in the Sligo Leitrim. We, we... I don't think the... I don't think it was... the was in 86 to won the league, mm. I think. And then I don't think there was... We had a very good side there. Like with Larry Kahn and people like that. Larry went on to play with Sligo Rovers for a while. Okay. And like with uh, Chris, Chris Hill, Chris, uh, Chris, Hill. Chris yeah. is a big, strong centre forward, a good player now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the likes of uh, Christy Graham, okay. Jim Fee, and people like that. Yeah. And if we were very stuck, uh, Frankie Fee and Garnard game, if we were very stuck, right? 
we, we actually got to a stage with Frankie that if Frankie made a run, you wouldn't run because you knew he wouldn't pass the ball to you, you know. <laughs> you love hearing that. And <laughs> <laughs> come here, if you had to pick one player now, Jerry, from your time at Boyle Celtic in those days, one player that would have stood out as the best player to, that you've played with on a team, who would it have been? Well, if I was picking one from our hearts, it would be John Joe Riley, who was see playing with the the old fellas down at Boyle Celtic still. Okay. And, uh, well, Larry obviously was a very good player, but Christy Graham was a very smart player. Right. Right. And he'd be very surprised to hear me saying that, like, but he was a good player. <laughs> right. What were things like playing in with Boyle Celtic back in those days? I know Boyle, for their home games, always had a changing room, which yeah, I yeah. even remember as a young fella, if you were playing away, you might be getting dressed, uh, togged out in the back Absolutely. of a boot. Yeah. But uh, the facilities in Boyle, and the pitching boy was relatively good compared to some of the... Oh, yeah. Some places we went to, you just had to tug out on the side of the pitch like in that, you know. But, yeah. I mean, we, we didn't... We weren't used to anything else. So, like, fine. Like, when uh, down the pitch in Ballyfarnan, for example, we, the training area was rushes and that, but when we tugged out the side of the a tree there, like, that, yeah. that was okay. Yeah. Of course, yeah. It was, yeah. was par for the course kind yes. of thing. There's... Well, there was one question asked, you might want to answer it, but uh, was asked about the day yourself and a few of the teammates put down the shorts. Was that on the field or off the field? <laughs> that was on the field. We were playing in the Sligo Leitrim and we were up on the side of a mountain and we had no dressing rooms. And now, actually, Daisy McLaughlin was uh, Junior Smith, Daisy McLaughlin, and one unusual one you wouldn't expect it uh, to be involved was Christy Callan. Christopher always did everything right. But... Uh, the ref sent someone off for some outrageous thing and we up complaining so, uh, complained about it and uh, next thing we were standing side of the pitch after there's no dressing rooms nowhere to go and he told us to take our jerseys off so I dropped me togs as well <laughs> right was that just you or was it everyone? no I dropped me togs the lads took their jerseys off obviously <laughs> right I got banned for that actually. oh did you yeah Right. What was the yeah. bat with a couple of games? Actually, Sean Daly came up to tell me that it was four or five games I got. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Sean has passed since now. And so going from player, then you obviously took a stint managing Boyle Celtic. Yes. Um, a very successful stint. It was over two years, I think, was it? Yeah. And you won the um, the Super League in 2014. Yes. Um, which was only the second time they won it. 2001 was the mm. first time. So that was a big achievement. Yes. We, we had... Very good players, and uh, as you start winning games, everyone gets interested. So we had no problem getting fellas down to training and whatever. But uh, we had some lads that found it hard to train, but were very good footballers. Like uh, in that time, if there was one player I'd pick out, then it would be Lee McKellen. Lee was a serious player, yeah, Uh, hard managed. You hear that, Lee? But a serious footballer. Yeah. Right. But we won it. The team in Sligo was City at the time and they had all these boys from Sligo Town and the, they were very good footballers. But the league used to boil down to two or three teams and how you did against them because you you win, inevitably win the other matches. And But City and ourselves had a lot of serious battles now. Because mm. so. City had... Um, City... Like it used to be Marvel, it used to be the uh, Glenview Stars, yes. used to be able to pick and match yeah. between everyone. So City was the, they had the pick nearly, yeah, yeah. They, you lost against them and you beat them, 
and then they drew two other games which allowed you on the last yes. game against yeah. Clover to, yes. to win it. But that was serious. Like, out of 22 games, winning 21, yes. 22 was a serious achievement. We had good players too now. Like uh, we had uh, uh, Brian McCran and Jake and people like that. It was good. Mm-hmm. But Boyd said in those times, I, I actually thinking back, Sandra McCran used to do the food and, and thing. And Sandra arrived with uh, homemade soup and treacle bread and all this kind of stuff and we used to have big crowds at the matches but I used to think they were coming down to get fed rather than come down to watch the football you know <laughs> that's right she Sandra's passing out too she, she was did. a great boy Celtic woman she, she yeah. did a lot of work and a she lot had, of work she obviously she also did a lot of the the photo archival stuff that's now yes, available correct you know yeah, which yeah. was great to have because yeah. it was a lot of work that took to put all them clippings Sandra, Sandra was a doer she said she was doing something she fully yeah. did it yeah. you know Looking back over your playing and managerial time with Boyle Celtic, is there any kind of favourite personal memory that you would have that would stand out? Well, the thing about playing with Boyle Celtic and managing after would be, we had great times. Uh, Mick and Martin's pub was the centre of our social life, those times, the three counties. And by Jesus, we had great times there. And there'd be people in there and all walks of life. And it was just... Very, he had a pool table and a dartboard, and they were all fully used, and it was great fun there. And they ran a good show. But uh, on the when you go from player to manager, the biggest problem I had managing was leaving fellas out of the team. I found it very difficult. And you see, you'd read out the team, and they'd think this is simple, but it's not simple because you, you're trying to win. You're trying to have the best team you can have on the pitch, and sometimes some of them players aren't the best to train. And you have to make a decision whether you're going to play the guy that's training all the time, but inevitably not good enough, or the other fella. So it was a balancing act. Yeah, and it's hard as well when you're in a small community, mm-hmm. small town like Boyle, leaving people out. Yes. There's always going to be that bit of But I also found it very difficult because when I played the GA with Roscommon, I came from an All-Ireland winning under-21 team onto a senior team and I was full of beans and full of confidence and playing very well. And suddenly you wouldn't get picked. Mm. And you're wondering, what's happening here? And the next thing, nobody spoke to you or told you what the story was or whatever. And then you play well and train and do the business. And I found over a period that I just gave in. Yeah. I just stayed there for the ride rather than, right? Yeah. So the one thing that I did when I was involved in both the GEA and the soccer after, you talk to people. You tell them if there could be a very close decision picking someone. And uh, you tell them it was a tough decision, but that to be ready. Because mm-hmm. uh, particularly GA now is not a 15-man game anymore. It's 20, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. But I felt I always took that with me from my own experience. Uh, if some guy is close, he needs to know he's close. Because yeah. nobody told me whether it was close or whatever. So moving on then, Jerry, to the Gaelic football side of things. Mm-hmm. Starting off, talk to us a bit about St. Ronan's. Because well, St. Ronan's, when we were growing up in St. Ronan's, St. Ronan's, uh, we were very young. They had a very good team, the old team. They had great players like Michael Killorn, Mickey Lenehan, Sharkies, people like this. And we used to be up watching them training. And Gay Shearn now said one thing to me. Uh, if you see a team coming down the pitch now, it's about 20 footballs coming out. There was one football then. So we'd be behind the goals, the ball would come, there'd be about 10 of us fighting for the ball. The one ball, right? Mm-hmm. Now that's all changed. But they had a, a guy in charge, Father Lavin, who 
he was a priest and he was in Summerhill also. And uh, he he was actually in Boyle in later life, but he was a great Ronan's man. And he always instilled in us the importance of the jersey and also told us that when he borrowed the jersey, going forward, someone else would be filling it, you know. So he instilled the love of our jersey and by Jesus, we love our jersey, you know. But we won, we, as I say, we won junior in my time, we won junior championship, we won I've three intermediates, I think. But we never, we were beaten in the league final at senior and uh, a game, a semi-final actually, and a game we should have won against Clan Gale. But we had some serious footballers on our team. I mean, Gay, Sheeran was ahead of his time. Mm. He played goals for us common later years and uh, he was halfway out the field before that became popular and, and he played midfield for us. Like we, we had Benny Flynn, we, we had some serious footballers now, you know. And we used to have to, uh, lads coming from Dublin in those days, when the roads weren't like they are now. Mm. And uh, we'd be looking out the window, as I say, waiting for the car to arrive to make up the numbers. But uh, the one thing I would always say about Pal 11, he, he baptised our kids, confirmed our kids, married me even, right? And uh, he, he was a serious Ronis man. Mm. And, uh, like he had a big influence on us as young fellas now. Yeah. You know, so. You mentioned that he was um, involved in Summerhill as well. He was. He was an Irish teacher in Summerhill. Right. So he wasn't, there was, because priests were principals as well back in those days. He was there. principal actually in Boyle, Boyle Secondary School here going forward. That's right. I do. Yeah. yeah, I remember him. There. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't think I was there when he was principal. He used to uh, give sermons in Boyle here and he was always talking about Belly Farnham. And the uh, general consensus is, if you're so fond of why the fuck don't you go back to it, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he was obviously from Belfast. Yes. Right, okay. So you won the junior championship in 1976, I think. Mm -hmm. There was a defeat by Boyle in the 83 final in French Yes. Well, that, that hurt a lot, seemingly. That hurt a lot. It hurt a lot. And one of the reasons it hurt a lot, we were a good bit stronger, in my opinion, on paper. But we didn't do it on the day. And my memory is that the Kate O'Connor was marking me. He was my next door neighbour in Boyle at the time, next door. I found it very difficult to take the head off him. But after them watching them celebrating after winning, I would have no problem the next day taking the head <laughs> off him. Yeah, right? yeah. But that was the day too late. Right? But, yeah. but like, having kids were great friends and our great friends, right? So Sean Daly that day, he scored, I think, about three points. Two of them was left foot and he didn't kick. He threw the ball to his foot and it went over the bar. If he was... Still around, he wouldn't do it again, like. But and we had a goal disallowed, of course. But uh, the beaters. But I think we won it the following year. He defeated St. Ronan's in the '86 final, and again in 1996, I think you were a sub, yeah, 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 yeah. sub that year. Yeah, I was forty mm. out of that. Yeah, time. and Jerry, uh, sorry, David O'Connor was the manager. David Jess, who's now in Boyle. Yeah, but uh, uh, David was manager, and uh, actually in the county final we had a, an easy run. It was easy enough, you know. Yeah. The following year, uh, I played, we were, went senior that year, after winning the intermediate, and I played the following year and then gave it up. Actually, I gave it up, I probably would have stayed longer, but a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, uh, Don Clare, who was boarding in Summerhill with me, he, went, he was stuck, team down there, and he, he tugged out for them and he dropped dead in the football field. So that day, I, I threw my boots in. Mm. But another one person I have to mention, going back to Bally Farnan, uh, was Vincent McDonough, who's also living in Boyle. Vincent owned the Boyle Motorworks. 
That's right. Yeah. Vincent was a, a chairman of our club. Before that, he he was a, he played on, on that good team I talked about. But when we were growing up and we were young fellas on the street and we were under 16 or whatever, we'd be playing a match and we'd have no one to bring us to the matches. Vincent used to load us all into my father's remote van, all in now, he'd be arrested for it now, and off to the match. So we have very fond memories of Vincent, a great role in this match. And right. still to this day, I think Vincent's nearly 80 now. You'd see him at Roman's matches. Okay, so Jerry, moving on then to obviously the biggest milestone in your career would have been the 1978 Under-21 All-Ireland win against yeah. the um, the aristocrats of Gaelic football, yeah, Curry, Curry. Um, who were going for, I believe, three in a row that year right. at that level. You were man of the match, scoring yeah. four points as a centre-half Centre forward. Centre yeah. forward, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us about the build-up to that even and the day itself. Well, the build-up to that was, first of all, nobody gave us any chance. Kerry was supposed to beat the crap out of us, right? But uh, the year before, uh, Leitrim beat us in the Connacht final, right? And uh, that year, from that year, we had just lost. Gay had been playing that year and Danny Murray and Jigger. I think we lost them players who were very good quality players. So the next year, uh, we weren't. We had Tom Heenan who played senior with Wisconsin managing us, and Tom instilled a great belief in that team. Okay. Yeah, we trained. We actually did a few weeks training, nearly full time training, which was unheard at that time. We, we were up in Roscommon and you'd train in the morning and train in the afternoon, and then come home and the same. So he instilled a belief in us that we could win. We had won the All Ireland semi final by a point, which I scored, by the way. Okay. And uh, I f- remember that for one day. The, the the keeper was coming out, and I was going in, and the two of us threw on the ball at the same time, and uh, spun over the bar for the winning point. But uh, that's not what, what actually happened. Was I lost my football boot? I couldn't find it thing after, right? And we that's the time when we had to pay for our own boots, right? Doesn't happen anymore. No handouts. But we went on anyway uh, to the Ireland final and it was in Roscommon and it was a great occasion. How, just before, like, that was one thing when I read about it was, mm. why was it not in Cole Park? Well, no, Cole Park wouldn't have got 21 uh, underage that time. The only thing, the minors would be on before the seniors that time in Cole Park. Mm. But Cole Park would be so big and the crowd would not be big. Why it was in Roscommon, I don't know. Miguel O'Callaghan, another boy, man. Miguel uh, was chairman of the county board and for some way, so he got some way around to have the game in Roscommon. I suppose Kerry would have been confident they were going to take us. But it was a great occasion. Mm. But, uh, and of course, as I said earlier, I was married at that time, by the way. Back then? Yeah. So, um, on that occasion, after the match, the following evening, you go around the county. Yeah. And I, as I said, I wasn't a drinker. And uh, they had a big setup down in Ballyfarren and waiting. And I got caught in strokes on with a few boys. And I never got to Ballyfarren, which I always regretted, mm. right? But uh, actually, since then, that was 1978. And every time I've gone to strokes on since, I always seem to have trouble getting out of the fucking place. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. How big of a deal was it for people of the county back then? It was huge. Right. Because the the last team that won it, actually John Kelly 
who's living in Boyle also, John was on that team. And I think Jim, uh, or the Clark man was on it. What do you call him? Jim's Jim, brother. Um, oh, I saw, I saw. Pat Clark, Pat Clark. Right, yeah. Pat Clark yeah. was on it. And there was an, a Nicholson lad from Corrigan Row also. So it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I went in after that the following year onto the senior panel full of beans. Then when you start not getting games, sure. And didn't, wasn't Roscommon then in the final of the 1980? I was a sub that day. You were a sub on Yeah, that. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you, yeah. you had the experience of being in a senior yeah, yeah. Ireland final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The manager of that under 21, Tom H Tom Hina. He, I read that he was, uh, he hated the opposition as a, that was his kind of mantra. He installed, he installed. Well, Tom was a, a cornerback himself and he, he wasn't that tall, but he was, uh, he'd kill you. Right. right. Roscommon had players like the likes of, of that 1980 team, you had the likes of Harry Keegan, cornerback. Harry Keegan was a superb footballer. He was he had Jerry Cannell and but the the greatest of them all, of course, is uh, Tony Mack, Tony McManus. Okay. Tony Mack was oozing in class, mm. both uh, left, right foot, uh, and he he had a very long career as Gamma. He, and he won Siggers and he won a lot of stuff, but he was the man. And Gay was on that team, Gay Sheeran from my own club. That's right, he was kicking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And would they have, would them years have been considered, Jerry, the kind of golden era of the Roscommon? Well, I'd say a lot of Roscommon fellas going forward are fed up. Listen to that time, it's nearly time to change it again, you know? Yeah. You know, the, but that was certainly a lot of good players on that time. So Club football was very strong then. Yeah. So, I don't know. so apart from that, the, the, the under 21 win, uh, that you had, did I had the county any? I think the, was it the miners in two thousand and six had a yeah yeah and and Fergal O'Donnell and Steve Bowen were involved in that now right so that yeah. was and Keane Smith was a part of that squad yes so that would have been the only other All Ireland yeah, yeah. after that yeah, yeah. of of significance okay the one a junior All Ireland at some stage Rory O'Donoghue was on that team I was think. it yeah. right were you part of the Roscommon team Jerry that went to the US in 1982, I believe, that for 19 days or something. Yes, yeah. we went for 19 days and our man ourselves went. And the reason our man ourselves went, we had met our man, uh, we used to meet them a good bit around that era. Mm. And uh, there was a lot of very hard games between us. So it was two teams going out there that weren't really in love with each other. And the football out there, there was some serious clipping because the pitches out there were uh, they weren't as wide okay. and uh, it, they were very physical games but we had a, a serious social time out there as well now that's it it was a lot of bit of drinking yeah, a lot of drinking and partying yeah and ringing the wife late in the morning yeah the time difference uh, yes and was that was that funded by the county or did you uh, have to pay for the county uh, I, I think they ran fundraisers but like it didn't didn't cost us anything like spending money to but a lot of stuff was provided for us out there now yeah, you know yeah but we had some serious clashes out there and those really good good times now yeah and so from your 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 gaelic uh career who would you put down as the best player that you played with and against well definitely the best player as i said that we played with i i would always put tony mcmanus up there tony it was a serious footballer both feet great balance great strength and uh, a player I loved watching in our time would be Mike Sheehy but they were two forwards now and close by would be Harry Keane was a serious footballer Harry was cornerback from Castlereagh 
living in Dublin, Harry was a serious footballer as well. And very clean, a big strong man, but very clean. On the other hand, Tom would kill you, Tom Heenan, you know. Oh, but, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, have you any any regrets from your playing days? Very much regrets. I, I I should have achieved a lot more. Actually, most of my regrets in life is do with football, not do with business, mm. right? Because uh, you can football, you get a certain period to play, and I kind of threw in the towel and didn't. Now it wasn't my all my own fault, but a lot of it was my own fault. But uh, I underachieved, and uh, that would annoy me. I should have been part of that. I should have been on the pitch, but it's no one's fault, only my own. But then nowadays, as I say, I've learned from that. And as I said, bringing it forward to younger players, I can talk to them and tell them. You you had a lot of injuries. I remember even when you used to play football, I think I played with you in the the reserves for both Celtic. Yeah, we won a thing in Sligo in the reserves, actually. But you had, I remember you had a few injuries. Would that have... Well, I have a replacement knee now. Right. No, but at the time, most of my injuries in football were when I shouldn't have been playing. When I was too old, I had to get a replacement knee. I have a plate in my head. It broke my nose three times. I have a finger that's was a good shot up line. <laughs> <laughs> Your playing days were cut short. Well, no, I finished playing at 43. Oh, well then, yeah. So yeah. injury didn't yeah. play a part, really. Well, well, not really. The last few years I played, I couldn't kick with my right foot because my knee was gone. But I kicked with my left foot. Right. That's so. just, just as good, no? Well... Some might say. <laughs> Depends on who you're talking to. Yeah, of course. Switching topics, Jerry, you had brothers that were musically mm. oriented. Very musical. My mother was a good singer. My father, when he had a few pints on him, used to yodel. So yeah. we, as I tell the wife occasionally, we come from a, a musical background, right? Uh, I had Brendan, my older brother, who's a very good musician. Okay. He played with Sharon Shannon, I think, and he played with Jargon. But uh, he was a fantastic guitarist and mandolin player in that. And then Paul, uh, who plays electric guitar, he plays in the wedding band, and he's a very good guitarist. And then, of course, with Kieran, who's passed. And uh, Kieran was a great character. He never missed a flair. It used to take him a long time to get home from them. Yeah. There's a famous story when he, he was down, there was a flan in us. And my father had remolds at the time. And this was before mobile phones and all this stuff. And uh, my father was under pressure for money, of course. And Kieran delivered a load of tires to a guy in Orn Moore. And my father was waiting for the money to lodge it, to keep Sean Young happy. <laughs> and uh, no sign of Kieran, couldn't contact him. And they were watching the news, Six Stock News. And lo and behold, they saw the Emmett Remold van driving up behind the, the news reporter. So he knew at least where he was anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, Kieran was a character. He was. He comes up in a lot of conversations, mm. even. He had a lot of good sayings now. Yeah, he did. A lot of good sayings. And a lot of them, it couldn't be repeatable now. Well, a lot of them, possibly, no. But, uh, but he, he certainly, li- he had a short life, but he, he lived uh, to the full. He drank. I remember him coming home times and my mother would be giving out to him and he'd start waltzing around the kitchen with her on the course. Yeah. All of us forgotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of us forgiven, you know. Yeah, exactly. But, I do have I do have vague memories of Kieran. I uh, for some reason I can't. Kieran was eleven months younger than me now. Yeah, and I have another brother that was eleven months older than me, both dead. And then of course Alton died also. So let's talk maybe a bit about you know the kind of boom days, the tel- Celtic Tiger, the recession. How did they affect business? Were you involved in business? During mm-hmm, business right? Very much. Okay. Um, what I'll say is I remember Boyle when we had the Royal flying. 
when we had uh, Nair, we had uh, Logan Ott flying, we had... Fish Factory? Fish Factory. We, we had all these places, and Boyle's a great town, a great shopping town. And then suddenly we don't have a lot... We have no hotel now. We had the Forest Park with the Royal, uh, and, and now we have no hotel. And uh, it's a big loss to the town. But what I've seen over the years is we saw the recession um, and we saw, well, personally, I remember times when we were under serious pressure in the shop. We, we'd have we'd have a check-in and I'd be going footballing on a Friday or on a Sunday and you'd be wondering where you're getting the money to cover the check-in on Monday. So we went through all them times and then we we got out of them and we went into the pub and suddenly uh, we had money in our bank account and then we had someone ringing from the same bank that was going thinking about us and checking us a few years earlier, advising us what we should be investing in. So that didn't go well. But anyway, uh, we worked through all that. And uh, as I say, I've seen uh, the big thing in Boyle when we moved in was all the people who lived in the town, all the families. Like I remember the likes of McLaughlin's up in Elfin Street and all those families, O'Connor's and Penn Street and all those out on the streets and whatever. And suddenly, a lot of these houses are derelict now. It's known. Yeah. But I have a big problem with that in a sense because uh, I think we're totally over-regulated. That the minute you go do anything, regulation, everything takes time and, and, and it's very, everything time you turn, it's money. Red tape. Money, yeah. Red tape, money, mm. regulation, regulation. And it's killing the whole system. I mean, even when we were in the pub and restaurant, our restaurant, uh, we haven't many restaurants in Boyle now. And yet, when we had to go in to get the license back in our name, fire officer in, health inspectors in. Now, I know we have to have everything pretty good, but they nearly come in to find fault rather than to help you. That was always my attitude. Mm. Uh, health inspectors come in to us and you can be sure three or four days later you'd have four pages of things you need to do and a lot of them total yeah, insignificant right. crap. Yeah. As right. you said, they're trying to prevent you from... Yes, to, yes. Yeah. And, and like, here we are with a housing crisis. Like, you drive around Ireland, all the small towns are empty. Terrelict houses everywhere and we have a housing crisis. Yeah. Here we are, we have people on the streets, our own people, and yet when it comes to, there's a war in Ukraine. We've all these Ukrainians coming in, right? We're not able to look after our own. We're up there first. And, and the first thing they are taught is what they're entitled to. Mm. What they're entitled to. I have no problem with people. Everyone should be vetted coming into our country, in my opinion. And if they're willing to work, we have two Syrian chefs, two great lads. Mm. No problem at all working. I have no problem with anyone's nationality. They should be vetted and they should be working. Otherwise, why should we feed the world? We have to be with the best do-gooders. Well, we always want to be first in yeah, that Yeah, regard, we're first at regulation. We're going to save the planet, by the way. Mm -hmm. That Ryan fellow is saving the planet, right? We're a nation of so many million people, but we're going to save the planet, single, right? We're first at everything. Like, we travel a lot. I've been in France and seen beef hanging out of the roof with flies all over it. Totally overregulated. Everything is, we, these health inspectors, I know we have to have them and things, but they should be coming in to see how they can help us rather than how they can hinder us. That's and I'm finished now in business, but looking back, my God, mm. we're overregulated.
like it's just nonsense. It really is nonsense, and it's it's going out of control as well. It's uh, a lot of people, less businesses, a lot of business closing down. Staff don't get sacked. You can't in our civil service system. You can't get sacked. Any system you can't get sacked in or let go is flawed. Someone is working with me, and they're not. If they're putting on weight or not doing the job, I'm not the guy to be working with. Right? In our civil service system in this country, you can't get sacked. No accountability, none whatsoever. How many times have you seen, say, even RT, top of RT, suddenly they get sick, they can't come before a committee, they walk away with a big pension and probably a lot of money. The same, actually, with the bank regulator when the crash came. He was saying everything was fine one day, and next thing, Troy grew in. He wasn't accountable. He walked away with a huge amount of money in the pension. The whole thing is flawed. And now they're talking just from we're on it. And this is probably be controversial with harm. Uh, this working from home disaster, in my opinion. Civil service on about going to four-day week, flexi time. They can work when they want, whatever. To me, it's... And also, a lot of good people are leaving jobs where you have to work to join the civil service. But my attitude to that is we, we're only here once. Mm. You as well be challenged a bit rather than sitting back, sleeping most of your life. Do you think, I think though the, the whole working from home, remote remote working came in as a result kind of of the, the COVID. COVID. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I remember, you know, even 10 years ago, I was saying to the lads, there's going to come a day when majority of businesses are going to be operating from home because you could just see it with the way the advancement goes. And I just think when COVID came along, it was the excuse for businesses to say, well, look, work from home. We, we don't have to have rent now and stuff like this. It made it easier. But how do you get experience if you're working from home? If you start a job tomorrow and you're in an office surrounded by 60 or 70 people, you can learn from some of them. You're sitting at home. You, you log in in the morning. You have your breakfast. You're in your pajamas. Right? You don't move all day. And like to me, it's what's... I I totally agree. I And I think, unfortunately, the way things are going, I'm not sure if you're aware of the whole AI movement that's going on, but uh, that's going to be a complete game changer. Not necessarily in a positive way all the time, but it's going to make, me, make people be able to just sit down, as you said, at home. They don't need to, they don't need to interact with real humans because it's all mm -hmm. going to be done artificially online. That's the way forward, and that's unfortunately for the youngsters coming up, the younger generation. They're going to know no different. Well, if if you're if, if I'm in the pub, restaurant, and you come into me, I can make a difference to your day. If I'm sitting at home in a laptop, I don't make a difference to anyone's day. No, only and life becomes very boring. You're going to have a society where people are on their phones, their laptops, not intermixing at all. Intermixing, you need to mix. You need to. I agree. And I think, you know, again, I think... We're losing... Uh, uh, we're, yeah, we're, we're losing the, the interaction. Yes. The interaction. Yeah. And I do think that the two, three years of the COVID kind of era has mm. instilled this kind of sense of, well, it's okay not to mix. Well, I'll, I'll tell you about COVID and my thing, right? I was spent a good bit of time in Spain during COVID, but also it was outdoor living there, so it wasn't so bad. But here, to put the fear of God in everywhere, my favourite man at the time, of course, was Tony Hula, right? Now, if you were in civil servant and all that capacity, you loved him. But if, if you were working for yourself in that... Small business Yeah, owner. but he frightened the bejesus out of everyone, right? Yeah. We, we had people who were afraid, old people afraid to leave their houses, right? 
crazy stuff altogether. I mean, it was unbelievable. This, we, we, we had old farmers who just come into us for dinner and, and suddenly they were afraid to leave the house. They might talk to nobody the whole day. How can that be healthy? And the biggest thing that I saw then was people in nursing homes dying on their own. Family members not. I cannot believe with the time, with technology, with everything, how they couldn't have had a room somewhere or did something to have family in with you when you're dying. Because I know people that a parent died and, and, and it traumatised them after. They'll never forgive themselves for not being there with them. Like, they were supposed to do a report on COVID and the effects of it. I haven't seen anything yet. I'd be interested to see it, actually, to see, because I think it's... Well, what I, what I, one thing that I found very strange was uh, up until the Ukraine war started, mm. you were not allowed to mix with, you know, granny can't come over, mm. you can't go over. And then all of a sudden, the Ukrainian war started. And within a couple of weeks then, we were told that Irish families sh should take in Ukrainian refugees. Yeah. And I just thought that was very strange because why are you all of a sudden then saying it's it's kind of done with? And I know it's a controversial topic. Believe you me, it is. Well, I'll tell you, you look at the UK. They had a boat somewhere to put Ukrainians off offshore somewhere, right? And uh, I'll just talk about the hospitality for a minute. A lot of the hotels uh, closed down and brought in Ukrainians, right? And don't tell me that the hotel, the owners were concerned about the Ukrainians. It was all to do with the finances, mm. the money, right? Now, these hoteliers were the same guys that the government looked after very well during COVID. And they turned around by closing their doors and taking in Ukrainians, right? I do not, I cannot agree with that. And then uh, the ones that stayed open, a lot of them are price guards. You're go to Dublin, go whatever. If 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 you're charging 100 euros for a room today and you're making money, why do you need to charge four or 500 for the same room if you're making money at 100? Like, where is... Well, it's the greed that comes into it as we talked yeah. about earlier. Yeah, it is. And then they turn around and they expect the government to turn around and expect them to, to take down, keep the VAT rate down. They have no, uh, actually, I think in the hospitality, the bars and restaurants should pull away. There should be a separate identity rather than the restaurant or the hotels because the hotels have not done themselves any favours. And it'll be all right until you're down in Kerry or place like that because we don't matter. But if you're down in Kerry or place like that and tourists can't stay because there's no place to stay and the restaurants, there's nobody in them because there's no place to stay, that's when you see trouble. You won't see it. We're insignificant as part of the... Yeah, we're not affected by no, it as much. No, but but uh, you even see it with the Airbnb. Mm. Uh, when that started off first, it was extremely affordable all across the world. Mm. Now, I mean, it's it's outrageous, the prices of Airbnb. So much so that, in, in well, not now anymore, but a few months ago, hotels were the cheaper option. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of changed now. Again, they're kind of going up against each other. And if one's charging this much, the hotel is charged the same because they have to compete. Yes. So we're it's kind of like a, a vicious circle that we you can't get out of. And I, I don't see it changing. But I saw in Sligo there now with that student accommodation and, and, and they stopped taking in students to put in. I don't know how that panned out now because there's a lot of pressure coming. But uh, to me, I mean, I know it's a war in Ukraine, but people, have to look I'll after say again, own. we have to look after our own first and anyone that's coming in should be vetted. And I always ask the question, why do we have to be always the do-gooders in this country? 
the, the change in even the last 10, 15 years is crazy. You know, the the younger generation, which I was going to ask you, what do you think of the younger gen young generation these days? Well, I, I worry about the young generation. I, I worry big time because, uh, as I say, if they're going to be sitting at home, not interacting, in our time, you walk down the street, you always met characters. You met characters in the bar, you'd chat. We had all good characters and boiled here and good characters everywhere. There's no... That's the thing of the past now, you know? Now, on the other hand, as I say, at the moment in Boyle, Boyle Celtic would talk, go back to, and we'll talk about the pitch. Yes, the new development. The new development. Yeah. What a development like. Now, first of all, I have to say I was against the Astro pitch myself. Initially. Yeah. Right. Because uh, I think tackling is an important part of the game. And a lot of the lads were soft before this, so God knows what the fuck they'll be after it. But uh, I do understand that the numbers between ladies football and everything are growing yeah. big time. And uh, that needs must. And I understand it from that point of view. And it's turned out it's fantastic. And the one thing, when we were in the bar, boys had to get a meeting of all their coaches and that. And I was blown away with the, the amount of young coaches and outsiders that Boyle Celtic had. And they've introduced a few of the uh, women, as see Leanne Colney, for example, down that's there right. now. Yeah. And uh, that's another thing I've noticed in, in the last few years, that if you want anything done, ask the women to do it. I, I see in the golf club in Carrick, I see they have brought ladies on committees and they really do the work. You know, mm -hmm. but Boyle Celtic development uh, fantastic. It really is, and I think with when I heard about it first as well, I know there's a few other uh, people that were kind of objected against yeah. it, but I could see their reasoning behind it. I think to make a kind of a comparison is like when the cash goes, yeah, it's not coming back. Yes. It's like when the grass grows, yeah. goes, it ain't coming back either. Mm -hmm. And as you said there about the tackling aspect, yeah. with 500 plus players, I think, which mm -hmm. Boyle Celtic have, and all the different various underage, you need to have... Well, I was hoping they could buy a bit of land elsewhere and hold the pitch, because that was a good pitch now, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. But I, I understand where they're coming from, but the, like the, the, the amount of people down there now is huge. And actually the GA have done a big job and their pitch down there now as well. The G the Boyle GA pitch, it's a beautiful setting beside the Abbey. It is. Yeah. And it's a fantastic pitch. And uh, they've now tarmacked all around and whatever. So we have some serious facilities here. Oh, massive. They're also building a a 200-seater yes. stand. Or yeah, they're, they're in, 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 in time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which will be great as well because then you'll have a, a nice little setup mm -hmm. there. But it's uh, like uh, when we be in the pub now and tourists come in, they're all heading for Donegal, Galway and Kerry to be robbed, right? Mm -hmm. And I always trying to send them down to Keiju, Valley Farnham, Keiju, Arigna, the mining experience. And now the distillery in Dumshambo is huge to the area. They have a restaurant down there and they do tours. And it's huge. It's yeah. huge. So we now have, a, of course, we have Kilron and Castle. Yeah. There's enough to keep people Yeah, well, well, they don't know. That's the real Ireland. If you drive around between Ballyfarn and up the back or up to Rigna, you wouldn't get better. And a good day, it's beautiful scenery, you know. Absolutely, yeah. So go, going forward then, Jerry, into the kind of future, any retirement plans? On no, the what we do is uh, both the wife and myself play golf. And as I say, that's great because we go to Spain a good bit and we, we play golf every second day out there. Yeah. And she's probably better than me. 
but uh, <laughs> we have plenty of rows over too. But no, we, we by the way, we worked together, uh, say, Phil was 18, who got married, when 16, who got to know her, and uh, we've been working together since then. All your lives, yeah. And we're still talking. We get on, actually. <laughs> She's a mighty woman, as I said. She was far more intelligent than I was, but uh, she kept me kind of half midland, you know. Yeah. And now is her time. Yeah. It's payback time of a good bit of making up to do over the years. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, it's it's good. And we, we actually go to, uh, what I like about Spain, you're staying there and you're playing golf. You're meeting, we put our name down. You could be playing with Norwegian people, Icelandic people, Irish people, English people. And, they don't really give a fuck about us and we don't about them. You just play your game. You play your game and you could end up going in for a few drinks. And we got to know a load of people out there. Yeah. Right? But there's no uh, a, a expectation of anything. That day is gone. We're where we are and we're happy enough where we are. But we we were never on free accumulating money anywhere and stuff like that. It was all about get the product right. And we've, I would like to think that in our time in the bar, we contributed to the town. Yeah. And we, did, we didn't rob people. No one ever walked out of our place and were robbed, yeah. you know. And we did our best with the food. It was fresh every day. And we uh, we often went out and someone wouldn't know what this is. Throw a bit of this out and that. And Keep them sorry. happy, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And we throw our my waddy orange or black carnot yeah. free and we top up your coffees. Yeah. And people are amazed at this anymore now because everyone is charging for everything. They should think of doing the product right first. And the money will the follow, yeah. money will follow. Yeah. Well, that's the way, I suppose that's the kind of old way of thinking as well. Uh, old way as in the mm. proper way. Yes. Because as I said, everything nowadays is all about money and taking as much as you can one time. They're not interested mm. in getting yes. the current. We are yeah, exactly. totally so, different. Yeah. But uh, our son now is taking over that's with, right, with Kelly and we're very happy that they're doing well so far. But every day is a learning day. Mike Smith, Junior's father, used to say every day is learning day. Mm. And that's true. And apart from then golf, you used to you ski a lot, didn't you? Well, I uh, fixed it skis every year and we've gone to the same village for about 30-something years now. We go, we have creatures of habit, but uh, Phil still goes skiing. I can't yeah. uh, ski with my knees anymore now. Uh -huh. Well, I could I could ski, but... Uh, You'd have no knees. It's, it's hard work. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And if you're not on the mountain during the day, there's nothing happening in the village. So. You've been referred to as a dying breed of an entrepreneur who's a workaholic. Would you agree with that? Well, we walk. See, every day, even now, I was in the pub today, and the minute you walk in, you're playing the room, and you're. I'm looking at all the plates, and if I see plates come back with food on, I'm wondering why. Mm. So it's always work in motion, and I also think if people come into your pub, a lot of them come in because they expect to see you there, so you should be there. Right. Yeah. So again, that's the old tradition yeah, as well. Yeah. The, the owner is there. Yeah. Chatting and yeah. giving out. Now, maybe some of them I'd say might be happy when they don't see me there, but <laughs> no, yeah. the, 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 it's a fantastic spot, grieving, and it's absolutely great to see such a mix of people. Yeah. And I love when I walk in and see old people on their own there because that means they were doing something right. Yeah. Sure. To feel comfortable. Now, I, I wouldn't like to go in there with a laptop and spend two hours drinking the coffee now. We needed a space, you know? Yeah, I know. Oh, but it's, it's, it's not that big of a <laughs> yes. yeah, of course. Yeah. But, Boyle, we need more restaurants. It's tough work. Yeah, there was a talk of uh, a boutique hotel opening up at that Drummond Needle, isn't it? Or, but, uh, you know, yes. But in Boyle, they have made several attempts 
Tavo tales over the years, and there was always people objecting. A few bats. Uh, a few bats, stuff like that. Now. Yeah. You know, usually the people that object to these uh, things have a good income themselves, and they're, they're going to get paid anyway. So I would like people to think twice before you object. Mm. Be- because we need a hotel badly. We have Lockheed. We have beautiful, we have a lovely town. Uh, but we need a hotel. We need a few more restaurants badly too. But Yeah, I think definitely the hotel of some capacity, even if it's six, 12 rooms or whatever, mm. something that would bring back the kind of glory days because we have everything else. As we mentioned there, the facilities, the, the amount of sports in town now is crazy. Yes. Camogie, everything we have. Um, but we're just missing that. I think a heartbeat of a town is a hotel because historically mm-hmm. it used to be like the Royal, for example, was the heartbeat of the town for generations but when i talk about our, our place now uh the funny thing about it where you could say we were workaholics in our day both the wife and i uh we never really fell out with any of our staff i'm just thinking now about the staff we had with a lot of chefs coming and going over the years and we're, they're still all talking to us but we had one very sad occasion with a young girl working with us and she was killed young mckenna girl i remember the first day she came in to our place to say and she was talking to phil and she came in and she's looking for a job and she had a thing in her nose here and she had a tattoo or whatever. And uh, I said, I cut in and said, you know, it's very hard work here. I'm not afraid of hard work, she says, right? And I says to her, who are you anyway? What's your name? She said, McKenna. And because sure I knew the father, Noel, to, to the old football. I said, you know his daughter. So I said, we'll take a chance on you. Well, do you know what? The first week or two, she wasn't working with Snowland and she was off in Amsterdam for a weekend. She came back and she looked like death. And she was worn that time, but she turned out to be what a girl. She was very artistic and Phil is a very good painter also, right? So she was so good. She could have run the place on her own in the finish. And she was a beautiful girl. And next thing she was killed in the car crash. So that was very sad. But we have a, a bird working in the back for years was uh, Aaron's mother, Michelle. I'll have to give her a mention now because her loyalty has been unreal. And now that Kelly and Alan's there, she has their back all the time. And what a woman. You that's know? great to have someone that's experienced yeah. as well over to, to, to be looking out for you like that. And, and as I say, we had chefs. But usually when the chefs never left us. It's we, uh, Mary McDermott was there for 16 years now. Uh, yeah. That, that long. Yeah. And Mary used to work with us and then took it over from us. So... And then Aaron had it for a while, and then COVID came, so we had to go back in. We were worried about going back in, but we... we you got to lift it up. But we always worry anyway, like uh, the day you don't think, the day you think you know it all, you're in trouble. That's it. If you're not always learning, mm. it's... it's a, but it's a great place to meet people, and, and, and like when tourists come in, like, and the stories and slagging them and having a bit of fun, and it's, you can make a difference. The pub trade, though, is uh, even the, the, the traditional pub trade, though, mm. is but dying the, breed. Uh, Diageo's attitude to things are going very bad, so we put the price up. I mean, but I mean, the pubs in Boyle, uh, how many pubs are in Boyle I now? Like uh, five or six. That's open, it, uh, yeah. yeah. Going from what, 32, I think. And even in Ballyfarna now, there's one pub open in Ballyfarna and they don't open full time. There's about eight pubs in it or in well, my time, yes. Yeah, but every other business in Ballyfarna, there's a good few business about the van. They're all flying. Flying. There's a gunny lad there. He does, I don't know. 
what he does, but he's employing a lot of people. And you have the garage, um, the garage that we owned, uh, uh, Gaishi and sister and her husband are there now for years. He used to work with my father, pure gentleman, Frank Healy. Oh, yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure, you know, you yes. know, Frank. Yeah, yes. well, well the, they're flying. Yeah. Clorence are going very well, post office there, Tommy Dowd. They're all flying. And yet, there's no bar. It it just tells you where it's going now. But if you were going out, to, if you decided to go in for a few pints tonight, unless you had to arrange to meet someone, there's a chance that there's nobody in the bars. That's, so, and that's changed drastically yeah, in yeah. the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. Well, I suppose drink driving and stuff like that is a. Uh, yeah. But even the younger, yeah, the younger generation, though, I don't think it, it they're, where, when I was young, it was always you go to the pub. Now there's kind of staying at home. There's yeah, this kind of. But also, I believe now, I'd be. Old-fashioned, stupid, that would believe a lot of uh, stuff has gone up noses now rather than drinking pints. Well, there's there's always going to be that, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's shifted from the, the pints to drugs is into every town and village. Every village, every yeah. Every village in this, mm. and it's only a matter. And then, as you said, they're probably not drinking as much as they're doing drugs. Yes. Not everyone, of course, don't get me yeah. wrong. But it's it's prevalent, it's there, and... Again, it's not uh, it's not going away anytime soon. After a football match one day, I was in the pub and all these guys kept going to the toilet. I thought they had bad kidneys, like, you know, but uh, I was told after I just pushed off their nose. <laughs> That's how stupid I was, you know. But, I know. But I worry going forward. There's no, there's no characters anymore. There's no, and, and we're not going to solve that by having people sitting at a laptop at home. Working flexi time, not ma not on mass as well. Anyway, for sure, yeah. like without a doubt, if if that's the way business is going to be going forward, mm. there's going to be no interaction. You might as well have another COVID yes. because people will be doing the same thing as the war during COVID. You know, they won't be going out interacting, they won't be going out in the streets playing and and all that. You know, the youngsters anyway. In our time, everybody spoke to everybody, mm. said hello. Yeah, if you walk down the street and boil, if you started in Great Meadow and walked down and said hello to everybody, you would see some people looking at you with shock. That's the way we're going. That's, uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's been said across the, the board as well. So you, you can't tell me that's good? No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Um, as you said, people will look at you as in, what are you saying hello to me for? Like, mm. what's, it's, it's, it's a sad day though, that. But the thing in the football, like, as I said, we were street footballers and uh, you developed all your skills and uh, now, People go training specific time to have your hour training or whatever. Everything is kind of programmed in. There's no flexing. You don't know natural stuff anymore. You, you know. Mm -hmm. But I'd be afraid to be conducting their life in the same way. We better have sex now, like you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now is the time. Like you have ten minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm back working after that at the laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, is there anything else, Jerry, that you'd like to touch on that we haven't? Not really. About? We're getting old. Mm -hmm. going forward we'll try and stay healthy for a while yeah try and as I said we'll go to Spain in October and it's great at this stage in our lives that we get on we were married so young I could have went yeah. anyway so but I'm happy out I'm happy at home that's the name of it not able to drink nearly I never was a big drinker anyway because when you're involved in sport heavily you have a few pints and that's it. That's it, yeah. 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 But as I say, we buried a lot of people. That's the only thing. Everything is a lot of... You're healthy and happy and that's yeah. the main thing. Yeah. Well, I got um, got the pension, by the way. 
And it's the first time in my life I got something for nothing. And the first thing I did was go away and have a medical because I said, there must be something wrong with me when I'm getting a fucking pension, right? They had, I put a camera down my throat and everything, right? Of a, what do you call reflux? Yeah, acid reflux. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm I'm amazed every week this money comes into your bank account. I usually had to work for it, so. They're going to put up the minimum wage. That's another thing too. In our time, early years ago, uh, students, you get them jobs during the summer. But now minimum wages and everything, a lot of these students, there's no place for them to go because yeah. it's too expensive to have them. But uh, as I say, our, our, our government, I, I mean, I've been very, very, I've been warned about saying stuff about Tony Hoolan and our government and having to be the best in the world and major players and everything. And and the other thing, just on, on that, I would just like to say that we have to go into court and get our license renewed every year. And we pay to do that. And I always feel strongly that if I'm paying my license, I should be able to serve who I want in our premises. That's... Uh, uh, I see where people are taking the court and have to pay out money because no I think that I should be able to serve who I want in our premises if I'm paying for that license. Mm. Again, that's the kind of the old way it was, mm. but it's changed. But it's crazy stuff. But there are actually people going into restaurants and pubs hoping to be refused so they'll be able to take a kiss. Oh yeah, well it's, it's potentially worth a few bob, yeah. Mm. Well, listen, Jerry. I think that about wraps it up. It's been great chatting to you. You've provided a lot of memories, and I'm sure um, you got a few things off your chest, I hope. So thanks very much for coming on and being a part of the Voices of Boy. Cheers, Carlo. Mm-hmm.